0: When Janine read the text today, you saw there were three different verses from three different books in the Bible with the common theme of what does it mean that we should fear God. And to kind of introduce that, I really want to use a short video to begin with today and get our minds focused on what is that about. It's not about God being a terrorist, by the way, or about being a wasteful response of unneeded fear, but about how it takes place. So the first one, uh, where's God? What we learn is that fear is a real part of life. I was reading an article this week that uh, was written on a um, scientific note about what fear is. And it begins saying that fear is totally totally an action of the mind. Meaning it's the response of the mind to circumstances it perceives as being threatening. You don't have to uh, tell the mind to do that. It does it on its own. You know, you felt fear. It's that time when the the hairs on the back of your neck begin to stand up and you get goosebumps on your arms and on your your body. You begin to feel fear. It is the mind telling the body what to do, and it begins to muster its energy. Your focus is there. You are tense, ready for what might come next. That's one fear response built into who we are, and we need it. Uh, It's it's an interesting kind of response because as the body puts itself on alert, the mind does, it also is ready to back down from that alert as the fear doesn't seem to be so threatening. It is that uh, uh, response of we shall flight or fight that's going on in our mind, which will I have to do, and we're readying ourselves, for which one might have to happen. Our body is directing us and our mind begins to uh, help unfold what our response should be. But our fears sometimes uh, are not just those moments that when we think we're threatened and the mind is telling us. It's also that experience our mind holds on to and we build other kinds of fears. To tell you the truth, we live in a a culture that loves to play on our fears all the time. If you watch many movies, uh, scary type. Uh, it likes to make you afraid. You know, you have a big, booming sound or uh, something frightening appears in front of you and your heart's races for a moment, but you know, it's not really going to jump out of the screen and come eat you up, okay? But at least for a moment, it gets you excited and that moment makes you like the movie. Okay, you may not be one of those persons that likes that particular kind, but some people do. They like to be frightened and it, it's entertaining. Sometimes we are, uh, our uh, uh, fear... Uh, is heightened by the news media and entertainment. Uh, you hear uh, sensational stories. I think the one that's gotten my attention lately is, do you know there's been a measles outbreak across America? you know that? Give me a break, people. When you were young, did it happen in your family? I remember when we were little, little five of us, one of us got the measles. You know what our parents did? They stuck us all in a room together so we'd catch it at the same time. That's what they wanted to do. So instead of stringing this thing out for about six weeks, let's get it over with because it was highly contagious. There are occasions when it becomes very serious, but most of the time, it's just one of those annoying illnesses that it will go away in a few days. And, and you know, life is not very threatened by it. But our heightened sense nowadays is like it's an Ebola virus breaking out in America. And I go, no, no, that's not what it really is. But we have our fears stroked. And we began to feel them more. A few years ago in 2001, when the 9-11 terrorist strike happened, do you remember going to church the Sunday afterwards? Do you remember doing that? I know Well, we were serving that next Sunday, a few days later, uh, the church was packed as though it were Easter Sunday. The fact is, the next week was almost as large. For about two weeks, Americans felt very afraid, and their response was to go to church. A lot of people came to church. Now, after that, you know, things began to get back to normal. And it was obvious that we weren't going to have another one immediately. And and the government seemed to be responding better. And people went back to their old patterns again because they were not afraid. Fear. Fear drives us and our responses. So much so, the scriptures try to help us with it. uh, Depending on the translation that you read it from, uh, the number of times it says, uh, to fear not... Uh, or Be Not Afraid, there's enough times you could read a different one every day of the year. It knew that fear is a struggle for people. Not just the reasonable kind, the kind that should help us, but the unhealthy kind that often preoccupies us, that limit us, that cost us a healthy life. Unhealthy fears cost us. Have you ever seen fear and happiness together? Do you find clear thinking, and fear at the same place? Are we confident at the same time we're afraid? Or the... A quote I want to read to you goes this way. Fear never wrote a poem or symphony. Never negotiated a peace treaty or cured a disease. Fear never pulled a family out of poverty or a country out of bigotry. Fear never saved a marriage or a business. Courage did that. Faith did that. People who refused to cower to their fears did that. Fear itself hands hands us, herds us into a prison and slams the door. And it ends with this question. It says, Wouldn't it be great to walk out? That's the way fear can be sometimes in our lives. But here I'm talking about a kind of fear that's different from those, the one that is healthy and right. How do we describe a fear of God? I'd gone to get the tires changed on my car, bought a new set. Uh, The person I bought it from, his business, he was a member of the church. We sat and talked for a while while the serviceman mechanic was working on it. My car was finally ready. I paid the bill, got in it, and drove away. I wasn't even, you know, 50 yards down from his place. I could tell something wasn't right. I don't know what it is, but something's not right. So very carefully and slowly, I turn around and go back to his business, come inside and tell him, Tom, Tom, uh, something's wrong. I don't know what it is. So Tom calls the same serviceman, pulls it back in the bay, and they work on it. Come to find out that the man in his hurry... Uh, managed to do all but one thing right on one wheel he did not tighten the lug nuts i was pretty glad of not gotten on the busy highway which is about another quarter mile away and uh, at the end of that conversation it was over with tom turned to me and said i want you to know in just a little while that mechanic and i are going to have a come to jesus meeting does anybody know what a come to jesus meeting is it is something serious it is correcting it is fearful it is life-changing. That's what a come-to-Jesus meeting is. And I don't doubt that it happens. We, uh, when you were young, how did you know that you were in trouble when your parents called you? Do you remember it? I think it's universal. Did your parents call your entire name? They did that, didn't I? Every parent must know that. They all call you a whole name. I remember Glenn Allen Martin. I'm going, oh, man, what did I do? What did I figure out? If I'm not doing it right there, you know, oh, what did they find out? It's the fear of having gotten caught, you know. Oh. And they'll call you in, and whatever it was, it might have been about something at school or something with a friend or you didn't do a, a chore or a duty that was assigned to you, and in that moment, you felt pretty scared because my, pro, my parents didn't just blow things off easily. They would punish you for it and you would learn to do better. The fear of God is a fear that has a proper place. It begins, as we said, in Psalm 111, where we're told to how to fear God. To hold God in a proper regard, a proper understanding, a position. It means, uh, I'm smart enough to know the God who created us is not to be ignored or disobeyed. It means that, We are smart enough to know in our secular society that tries to tell us there's no God, that he doesn't matter, that we know it does matter. Here we are in God's house worshiping. We say that God is and he is not to be trifled with. We begin to sense what fear of God means. And there are two images, I think, pretty dominant we have about God in our culture. Some are rooted partially in scripture, some more just in the society itself. When we finish, some folks perceive of God as being a very punishing God. The one who is uh, out there with the prophets, uh, with Moses and others, slaying thousands and thousands. And yes, those stories are in the Old Testament. We may get squeamish about them, find them fairly hard to explain to our children, but they are there, describing God as someone who is just, Powerful is not to be messed with. God is a God, same time, who has other attributes. We learned that God is one in 12, Luke twelve five read to you, who has the power to cast us into hell. And we go, well, you didn't have to say that, did you? could you just left it with that, oh, we like the better verses. The one, you know, John three sixteen for God so loved the world. Because we want to pick and choose where we find God. In Matthew 25, it is a a longer story where Jesus is dividing the sheep from the goats. One he brings with him to heaven, the others are cast out. We don't much like that image, the God of God being a punishing God. The other side, it's often held, is that God is more like a doting grandfather. You know, God is harmless. God simply wants to take care of you and love you, will never do anything to hurt you, just like a granddad would never want to do. In uh, Matthew 9, verse 2, there's a paralytic who's been laying there needing healing. And Jesus, encourage my child, your sins are forgiven. He gives an image that Jesus that God cares. Now, what I want us to do is to put those two together in a way that gets at what we're talking about today. That God is one whom we should fear. For God is one, a God of justice. That's often the image we get clearest from the old testament and god is also a god of mercy and that's one that we know from the new testament it's not two different gods it is two ways of seeing the same god it's both ways of seeing that he is a god who loves us but expects from us a god who wants the best for us and demands it at the same time I was in the first grade, and back then, the first grade really was the first grade. We didn't have kindergarten, didn't have uh, preschool of any kind. I remember going to the first day of class. Uh, the teacher I had that year was Miss Lamb. She had been the teacher to my two older brothers, so, of course, my parents already knew her well. I remember uh, sitting, I described Miss Lamb this way. She wasn't. She was not a lamb, okay? She was not meek nor mild. And the first day of uh, that first grade. uh, We began with everyone standing around the room. She called each name. We went and sat in alphabetical order. She called us, and she got to my name, called I went and sat down in the seat. Wasn't very far from the front where she was, and she looked at me and said to me, Glenn, I know everything about you. Now, to a six-year-old who's wondering how long I can get away with stuff, that's pretty intimidating. You know that? You're had already from the very start. And it just kind of swelled up in my throat. I knew I was gone. All the blood rushed to my feet. I didn't feel like I had strength to do anything because I was now had. She knew everything. She was not someone to be trifled with. Miss Lamb was not. She was loud. She talked loud, and her students listened. And she was a wonderful first-grade teacher. I stayed all the way through the seventh grade in that same building, usually dead back then, And I would hear her voice occasionally in the hallway leading her students, and it still gave me a little tinge, you know, of fear, because I just remembered that voice from all the way back when I was six years old because she was someone not to be messed with. I believe God is that way. He's saying, I'm not an easy pushover, a doting grandfather who would never think of changing or correcting you. No, that's not at all who I am I am a God who loves you. I want, want you to know that. But know that I'm also a God who expects out of you and others obedience. You may disappoint me at times, he would say. But I will call you back to me. Ever remember disappointing your parents? Most of us would say yes. Doesn't take long. Somewhere in childhood or teenage, something we do will disappoint them. And they want us to change. They teach us how to obey. And that is a struggle. God has given us a mission very dear to his heart in this world. We are his people, his disciples, called to share in leading others to him. Last two weeks ago, we had the theme, Matthew chapter 28. You know that God has given us all kinds of resources, talents and gifts, the presence of his spirit to be about his work. And he has given us opportunities. God will ask us one day what we have done for him. Reminding us of what he has given us also. God has made an offer for us we cannot refuse. We are called though to give him that kind of respect. It said, do not be afraid, little flock. It is your God's good pleasure to give you his kingdom. He knows that he loves us. God calls us to be his instruments. But he also lets us know that we're called to um, be loyal to him. He wants us to have an undivided attention toward him. When we do that, God can use us the best, knowing he's not asking for just part of our loyalty. He brought me one object today. It's very simple, and by the way, it's empty. It's why it's light. It's just a box. You know, we get them... Often, maybe, uh, something comes in the mail in a box. And this one I emptied and closed it back up. Sometimes, we want God to stay inside of a box. Several ways we try to do that. We try to limit his influence on our life. Therefore, we give God maybe a part of a day or a day or a setting where he has his influence. And other than that, we are off doing other things. We sometimes try to keep God in a box by saying to him, God, I have a limited work for you to do. I want you to bless us. That is, that's all I want you to do. Help us out, always. Only do what we want. Take care of us. Put God in that box. Sometimes the box we create is a a box of God... I want you to focus only on me and mine. That's all my prayers are about. That's all my energy is about. That's all my desires cover. God, you take care of us. No more do I care. We try to put God in that box. And other times, we create a box of unbelief. That is, we limit because of our own thinking and trusting that God can do really anything. Jesus had that experience when he went to his hometown. In Nazareth. Response of the people was, he could do no mighty works there because of their unbelief. Often it's a box of unbelief, putting God in places, trying to keep him away from other influences in us. There is a solution. A solution that I think found wonderfully in a hymn, which I'm not going to sing. Uh, it is, let him have his own way with thee. We'll read the lyrics to one verse with you. Would you live for Jesus and be always pure and good? Would you walk with him within the narrow road? Would you have him bear your burden, carry all your load, letting have his way with thee? His power can make you what you ought to be. His blood can cleanse your heart and make you free. His love can fill your soul and you will see what's best to have, let him have his way with thee. Now that's a, a proper way, I think, of understanding the fear of God. If you let God have his way, that's enough. Learning to trust him. So the best way for us to face our fear of God is to trust in God. No matter what it brings, not a promise of all the good or joy or ease, but letting God have his way. No better way than to face our fear. To show God his proper respect and letting him have his way. Would you pray with me? Now, Father, your gifts are just what we need. Your calling is always within our reach when you are the one who helps us in the reaching. You have a plan and desire for each of us and for us together. Help us to search that out, to be willing to step beyond what is easy, comfortable, or desired, but finding that your purpose is the best. Lord, help us through those anxious times, whether it's with our relationship with you or with each other, to know that you have a desire and love for all of us. Open our hearts to that and give us your peace. In Christ, we pray. Amen.